Today is gonna be a little bit different and uh, unique, but I am very, very, very excited about it. I mentioned that I was um, out of town uh, last week, and um, I was able to go on a trip to Greece with a group of about 20 other pastors, and we were there for 10 days, and it was truly life-changing, life-altering, um, just being in the cities where Paul, the Apostle Paul was and where he wrote um, the, these letters to the church of Philippi and Corinth, and that's all the places we were, Thessalonica, Philippi, Corinth, Athens, and standing on Mars Hill and all of these different things. It was so emotional for me and, and so unreal when you can stand in the exact spots where someone was talking about their mission and their purpose at the very beginning of Christianity. There's one photo I wanna show you uh, that, I, that I took, and, and this photo is in Corinth, and these ruins are, are the original ancient ruins of an old um, docking area uh, where the Apostle Paul and a couple of his people with him were loading into a boat and about to set off from Corinth into the distance to go to Ephesus. What awaited them in Ephesus was beatings and imprisonment, riots, but as they were leaving Corinth, they had no idea what was ahead of them. But Paul had a mission because he had a purpose. His purpose was to take the gospel to places that didn't have it yet. And we sat on this shore at this ancient dock talking about the purpose that, that the Apostle Paul must have felt that drove him to these different communities where there were no believers because he had one thing on his mind, to establish the church among all people everywhere. And I thought about that and thinking about all the fear and anxiety that they would have had to work through, but all of that fear and anxiety came second when they had a very clear understanding of what God's purpose was in their lives. And it made me think of ending this message today with that in mind, that so many of us, as we're kind of building in this sermon series, have been trying to wonder and think and examine what is God's purpose in my life, but the truth is, until we have clarity on that, there will constantly be other things in our lives that will overshadow God's purpose that will bring fear and anxiety because everything in this world is built to stop us from fulfilling God's purpose in our lives. We kicked off this series in week one with a, a scripture from Psalm 138.8 and it says this, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Since your, love, since your love for me is constant and endless, I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing that you've begun in me. And that's gonna be our prayer today as we move forward with God's purpose after today into our workplaces and schools and families that we would understand God has a purpose, a plan for every individual person. But we also talked about in the first few weeks that this purpose and plan is only given, everyone has a purpose and plan from God, but it is only given to those who follow him, who are children of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 says this, but just as it is written, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who what? Love him and hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. So what this is saying is God's purpose, ultimate joy, fulfillment in this life 
where we're not building it on things that will disappear, crumble, and go away. God's ultimate purpose for individuals is reserved for those who belong to him and who worship him in light of everything he has already done for us. We have to remember that as we conclude this series because it's so important. Yes, the corporate body of Christ, the church has a purpose, but you have an individual purpose as well. So today specifically, what we're gonna look at, I titled my message, Pictures of Purpose. And uh, over the course of the next few minutes, we're gonna be looking at examples of what purpose could look like in our everyday lives. When we leave church, what does purpose look like for you at work? What does purpose look like for you on the team you're on, in the school you're in, with your family at home? What does purpose look like for you and all the extracurricular activities? How do we take the meaning of life everywhere that we go? Because we have to understand this. We as believers have the tendency to either make an idol of work, school, the teams we're on, all these extracurricular activities. We have the tendency to make an idol of these things or to become idle in these things, where we can be apathetic and not understand that we are there for a very specific reason. And it is not ultimately to make money. It is not ultimately to win games, and it is not ultimately to get a degree. We cannot become idle in our workplaces and in our lives, but we also cannot make an idol of these things and put ultimate pressure of it being basically a lowercase g God in our lives. There is somewhere in the middle where we understand that this is important, where I go, what I do, providing for my family, it's important, but it's not ultimate and I am there for a very specific reason. You were born for such a time as this. That's not a cute coined phrase that pastors just throw out. It's something that's real, it is biblical. And I constantly have to ask myself, Dustin, why did God choose to make me right now for such a time as this? Because I have a purpose and you have a purpose. Last week, I was um, at my parents' house for a family get-together, and I was sitting next to my nephew, Jackson. He's four, almost five years old, I believe. I think it's, it's his birthday on Halloween. It's on Halloween. He's, he's five, almost six. Whew. He's, he's getting old on me. Okay, five, almost six. He's just the cutest kid ever, like the cutest kid ever. And I'm sitting next to him, and he has his iPad, and he has like one of those pixel art things. I think we have an example up here. And he's just a wizard on electronics. Like, I mean, if you need a five-year-old to set up everything for you, I, I, got, I got the kid, right? He's a wizard. But he's doing this pixel art, and he, he wasn't doing this when I found this one. He was probably doing Batman or something. But I'm watching him zoom in. You guys ever do these, like the, the number or the color by squares, and you zoom in, and when you look at it, when it's all zoomed out, it's, it, it's bland, it's ugly. You can't even hardly tell what it is. And then he's zooming in, and you can't even really tell what it is there, but he knows what colors to do. I mean, he's just going, and I'm watching him like, what is happening? He's like Rain Man. I mean, he, he's just going crazy with this thing. But then he would zoom out, and it's more color, it's colorful, and it's turning into something that's beautiful. Then he would zoom back in, and he's pressing all the numbers and coloring it, and then zooming out. And by the time he was done, what was bland before, what was black and white that had no life, when it was colored in properly, it became what it was created to be. And I immediately thought of that when I'm writing this message, and here's why. The kingdom of God mindset, that we are citizens of heaven, assigned to earth, 
that our true purpose is not to get to the top of a corporate ladder, to make enough money, to build a big enough savings. Those can be fine, they just can't be ultimate. The number one purpose we have in our lives is to bring the color of the kingdom of God into the rest of our lives so it becomes what it was meant to be. And I want you to remember this image that was up here because that's what our lives are. It's zooming in, zooming out, constantly getting perspective on am I doing the job I need to be doing? Am I carrying out God's purpose for my life, not just my purpose and what I think my purpose should be? Because purpose only comes from God. I wanna ask you a few questions today. What difference does it make in your workplace, at your school, at your job, at, at, at your, on your team, what difference does it make that you're a Christian? Isn't that a kind of a humbling question? If you say, yes, I'm a Christian, what difference does that make in your environment wherever you go and wherever you spend most of your time? Is it making a difference? What difference does it make in your family? What difference does it make with the people that you're sitting next to at school? What difference does it make with the people on the sidelines when you're watching your kids practice or play games? Our Christianity, if it's real, this is challenging, convicting for me and for everyone here. I'm not pointing fingers. We all deal with this. But if our faith is real and we take it out into the community, it has to make a difference somewhere because we have the light of Jesus Christ walking into darkness everywhere we go. And if the light is here, then light changes rooms. Light changes environments. Light gives new perspective. Light is a change agent. That's our purpose. I wanna give you a few biblical pictures of purpose, and then we're actually gonna bring some people on stage in a couple minutes and give you some real-life practical pictures of purpose and how we can carry out our faith and purpose in our lives. The first person I wanna show you, a great biblical picture of purpose is Daniel. Daniel, the book of Daniel, I preached, I did a whole series on the book of Daniel about a year and a half ago. I love this book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament because there's so much in it and it points, uh, you can read Daniel along with Revelation, it's a prophetic book, but it also shows about how a young man, Daniel, who was kidnapped from Jerusalem by the Babylonian king, brought into Babylon with the youngest, brightest, best young people in Jerusalem. They were kidnapped, and the whole point was for them to become indoctrinated with Babylonian culture. There's gonna be a lot of similarities with this than to what's happening today with our kids. But the whole purpose was to indoctrinate them in the opposite belief system from the ways of God that they were learning in Jerusalem. They were not wanting them to think they were kidnapped, over time, through desensitization, they were allowed to believe or wanted to believe that they were Babylonians. So Daniel, though, does not go along with this, if you know the story. He's a young man. And time after time after time, Daniel draws a line in the sand, and he's walking with wisdom as a young man, trying to figure out, what do I say yes to? Because God has me here for a reason, to gain influence, not for self-benefit, but to turn the head of powerful people back to God. So I'm here for a reason. What do I say yes to, to blend in enough to where it's not sin, to where I earn trust, but what do I say no to so I do not betray the God that I serve? 
And he's constantly walking in this balance and this wisdom of what does purpose look like for me? And Daniel 1.8 says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's food, nor with the wine which he drank. The kind of food that the king was eating was not the kind of food that young Jewish people were allowed to eat. And he was looking at this and he was okay with going to a secular school and secular universities in Babylon. He said yes to those because he knew he was strong enough to make it. But where he chose to draw the line was interesting and he drew the line at visible food where everyone around him would know if you eat this, you're breaking the law of God. And he said, that's where I draw the line. He purposed in his heart, purposed. And if you know the story of Daniel, he I mean, rose in the ranks in Babylon and became an extremely influential man, turned the hearts of kings, was able to be a part of a ma- being a major prophetic voice into the future, ushering in the, uh, Jesus Christ and pointing to the end times. Daniel was able to have purpose in Babylon. Another example of this, a biblical picture of purpose, is Esther or Queen Esther, another fascinating story in the Old Testament. Esther was a young Jewish girl who, uh, it's a long story, but a young Jewish girl who found herself through a series of events becoming the queen of Persia. And she's married to Xerxes and she has become the queen of Persia and she finds out that there's this behind the scenes master plan, master plan to eradicate the Jews, all of them. And she comes to find out that all of a sudden, you can imagine Queen Esther, She's probably wondering, why am I here all this time? Why did this happen to a young Jewish girl? How how am I here? And then all of a sudden, as this plan to eradicate the Jews starts to unfold and starts to become visible to her, it's like something quickened in her spirit, and she knew, this is why I'm here. And she chose to go to the king unsummoned, which by law would have meant death, She goes into his chamber, walks right up to the throne where the king is sitting, and she tells him about Haman's plan. It's an amazing story of how purpose was quickened in her heart. Many of you in this room, you find yourself at a school, at a job, in a certain scenario where you're wondering, why am I here? Not in a bad way, but almost in a good way. Have you ever been in an environment that you didn't deserve to be in? I'm talking about a good good environment. A good environment where you're like, why am I rubbing shoulders? Why, how am I here? Anybody ever been there? Something like that? Could it be that God has you there to be on alert, not to get prideful, to not think, well, this is my new crew or this is my new circle, but to honestly think, am I here for such a time as this that if I am keenly aware of what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in my life, I would understand that there is a specific job to do. I am here because of purpose in my life. Esther 4.16 says, this is when she had resolve and purpose in her heart. She said, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Now that's having a sense of purpose. Have you ever, I remember being young and, and wondering like, if, if my life was actually ever threatened for being a Christian, like would I actually stand up and be like, I'm a Christian no matter what, in the face of death. Like we heard the stories from Columbine when I was in high school and all that happened back then when I was in high school. But have you ever wondered that? Would you? 
The, the purpose in our heart where it is so unbelievable, where someone can say, if I perish, I perish. I know it's against the law, but God has told me to do something. Two more quickly. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote many of his letters in the New Testament from prisons, and this is one of them. I'm gonna read a passage here, and this is one of his many mission statements, but the Apostle Paul, and I'll talk about it more in weeks to come from the trip I was on, was amazing with, his, with the purpose that he had in his heart. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, I have one job, forget what's behind, and do exactly what God has called me to do, which is ahead of me. I have one purpose in my life, and it's to do what God has said. And what we're seeing over and over and over again is the only, it's not a path, the only path to sustaining fulfillment and joy in our lives is to walk in the purpose and will of God. That's it. Everything else is sinking sand. Everything else are things we grasp for that disappear right before we attain them. One more biblical picture of purpose is Jesus. Luke 19.10, Jesus tells us his purpose. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. He was very pointed about it. I came to seek and save that which is lost. But that goal and mission was challenged for his entire earthly life. In Luke 22, 42 through 43, Jesus finds himself right before the crucifixion, praying, right before his arrest, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is challenged. His purpose is challenged in this moment. He's starting to carry the weight of all of our sin, and it's starting to mount. It's starting to mount as he's going into Jerusalem, as he's about to be arrested. The sin of all of us that we have committed was starting to rest on him. And he says, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet, yet, not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Jesus had to purpose in his heart, because yes, he is God, but he was also fully man. And he had to go to the cross as a perfect sacrifice, and this was Satan's last ditch effort to put too much on him where he would crumble. But Jesus said, God, Father, if you can take this from me, but it's not about me, it's what you want and it's about them, and he goes to the cross because his purpose led him. So let me ask you this. Does your purpose lead your life, or is it an afterthought? Our purpose from God has to be at the front. Today, not only, like I said, do I want to give you biblical pictures of purpose, but I also want you to help me welcome five people to the stage today. We're gonna look at practical pictures of purpose. Yeah, give them a hand as they come. I'll introduce these guys, but we wanna have a conversation. At the very beginning of this series, um, this was always on week six of this series. And we wanted to give you guys, not only me standing up here preaching and, and trying to give just Bible. Yes, Bible is good enough, it is amazing. But I also think there's something powerful about looking at very real human beings, not perfect, but just 
pictures of, of what this could look like. So I wanna introduce them real quick and then we'll jump into this conversation. But this is Bruce and Seema and Chance and Craig and Deandra and um, all from different walks of life doing different jobs, different ages. And we wanna kind of just give you some pictures. Try to find yourself in the midst of some of these conversations today. So here's the overall arching question that we're gonna kind of work with today, and it's this. How do you see God's purpose play out in your everyday life? It's very easy in church, and we can talk about church some. It's easier here. But how does that purpose that we might be sensing over the course of this series play out in our everyday lives? Um, uh, Deandra, I actually wanna start with you. Deandra, you are um, on our serve team. You yeah. serve in Citizen Kids. Yeah. Um, you've been, how many years have you been coming to our church? Uh, like four, yeah. and then before that I went to Wake. Awesome, Wednesday, awesome. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're an OG. I mean, you, you've yeah. been coming to Wake. Okay, you're good. Okay, so I, I think this, this is so important. I, I watch your life, and you are so intriguing to us. Your name comes up in our staff meetings when we talk about people because you serve so well in our kids' ministry. Um, and that obviously means a lot to parents, but specifically you serve in Citizen Buddies, yeah. which is a spe our special needs area of Citizen Kids, but you're also a public school teacher, yeah. and you also teach special needs. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it's so intriguing. I want to ask you that question. What does your faith and purpose from God look like as you walk out the church doors and you are walking into that school? Yeah, so for me, it's just knowing that I'm called, you know. Um, I work in one of the poorest neighborhoods in Albuquerque in the International District, and so mm -hmm. um, every day that I drive in, I just pray over that community, and I just pray, like, God, just bring revival into that, uh, into that neighborhood, and so for me, I just feel like I get to be the hands and feet of Jesus at my school and just speak identity over my I, students. I love what you just said, prayer, yeah. because here's what's interesting. Prayer becomes such a common thing that we say. Yeah. We kind of just do it, and very few people actually believe that it works. So yeah. you talking about just yeah. driving into neighborhoods and yeah. into your school, talking about prayer, that is not something that we wonder if it works or if it doesn't. It is yeah. literally fighting spiritual battles Absolutely. as you're speaking out prayer. And you're yeah. doing that as a teacher. Mm -hmm. My Lord, that'll make me emotional. I'll yeah. stop talking about it. <laughs> um, how about when, when you think about the kids coming into that class, how do you, because yeah. there's obviously, there are limits, right? Yeah. of what you can do spiritually or because sure. of your faith in school. So how do you approach the kids? Like what does is, what is your faith purpose look like with them? Yeah, so working with kids with special needs, I mean, all their lives they're told, you know, you're not gonna amount to anything. You're stupid, you're, you're not very smart, you know. And so for me, I come in and I just pour identity over them and mm -hmm. I'm just, I try to be really intentional with praying like, Lord, what do you want me to speak over specific students? And so I just speak truth over them and I tell them, you know, you are so beautiful, you are called for a purpose and, and God has something so good planned for you and so. That's yeah. amazing. So I'm pretty bold. No, 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 like, yes, let's clap Thank to that. You. And I'll tell you why. Because when you speak those things, what, yeah. you're, what you're literally doing is saying what God is saying to them, wants to say to them, and, you're, exactly. and you are combating the voice of Satan yeah. who will lead in with the opposite of that. Yeah. He will lead in yeah. with destroying identity, confidence, um, and you even saying you're smart, yeah. you have creativity. Yeah. You speaking that is exactly what God would be speaking exactly. to them. That's amazing, because identity, I think, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years, and we talked about this. Identity, I think, is Satan's greatest thing that he comes after Absolutely. in the next generation. Yep. So to have godly teachers who take faith seriously yeah. and even speaking positive things that God would speak to them yeah. um, is absolutely fighting the battle against Satan and what he's yeah. trying to do in their minds. Would you absolutely. agree? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely.
Amazing, amazing. Um, I wanna come back because I wanna dig a little bit deeper in that. But um, Bruce, um, you are someone that I've known, I think, I was trying to think of this the other day, maybe since I was 10, I don't know. You've been, in, you've been in our church a long time. You're so young, and I, and I appreciate that. Um, no joke, okay, so, but you are, you are, you're up. Um, so you, since I was about 10, my, my, basically my, all of my greatest memories, church memories, involve you and your family. You're a, oh wow, I'm gonna get emotional, but you, you're on our board. Um, you have led in the highest levels of missions. Um, Mandy was saying yesterday, she said, Bruce will serve in kids if it's needed. It's just when there's a need, Bruce is there. Um, in our church, but outside of church, you're also a grandfather, husband, dad, two of your kids are on staff, you're also a CEO um, of, of a company here in town, and I just think it's very intriguing. I wanna ask you the same question. What does faith and purpose look like in your life um, as you are weaving in and out of those guidelines and things even at your work when it comes to God? Yeah, thanks, Dustin. I mean, uh, purpose uh, is manifested in like it every different aspect of life, I think. Mm -hmm. And that, at least that's my desire, is that God, what is your will in this area, this area, this area, this area, and just being right in the middle of it. And so you mentioned grandparenthood. Um, you know, that's something that's new to us and navigating it, and so I've looked to other examples in my life, and uh, what I'm just trying to do is just be literally super purposeful, like all the time that I get with him, what can I do to make a difference in his life over the long term? Uh, and not just, you know, riding along in the car in silence, right. but in engaging with him, just doing all kinds of different things to influence and impact even at his age. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like in the workplace, um, you know, I think the, the purpose for me is to be a light, like we talked about mm -hmm. before, but uh, that, that may not be super overt in all circumstances because in my workplace, um, there's a whole variety of different partners different walks of life, different right. circumstances. Uh, and so uh, I try to really uphold values of, of honesty, truthfulness, hard work, uh, integrity, uh, selflessness, and those are things that don't always come natural for sure, uh, but as, um, you know, as I'm seeking God and trying to figure out his will in all these different circumstances, those are values that I try to hold high. Uh, and then when people see that, sometimes there's opportunities yeah. to, uh, you know, to go deeper. Well, those values are biblical values, and they're also so counterintuitive in a world where honesty is rare, where integrity is rare, when it is there, um, it, it stands out. And we were, you were talking about light, and I think I've heard someone say before, it's not about being a spotlight, it's more like being a lighthouse, right? Where, where you're helping guide people rather than shining a light on their own issues, you know, like being a, a harsh spotlight. And I think that's such a, a great um, mentality with it, but it's, it's intentional integrity, it's intentional honesty, knowing that that is not just, you're not doing that because Bruce is that, but you're doing that because God is calling you to be that so they can see God in you. And I just think that's unbelievably important. And you mentioned being a, a grandparent. My parents said, uh, my dad told me one time that being a grandparent is just basically a do-over at parenting. So it's like you look back and it's like everything you felt like you didn't do well as a parent, you're like, I'm just, I'm gonna do that right with my grandkid. And it, but it's so cool though when there's that full system because it takes parents, grandparents, it takes spiritual parents, spiritual grandparents, um, and it, it's an amazing, amazing thing. So I'll, I'll, I wanna jump to um, Chance. Chance, you are... Uh, you've been coming to our church for about two years, two years in November, I think you said, and, and um, we love your family, and you, in that short time, I mean, you, you guys came during the pandemic, I mean, in that short of a time, 
um, you are already serving and, and leading a, one of our great ministries and your, your job is super unique and what you do for a living and what you do in our church, but you have a unique story and I just wanna ask you the same question. What does purpose look like for you, your family, at work, and, and in the ministry you do here? Thank you, Dustin. Um, so purpose for me is, is using what, what God's led me through um, to maybe give others a different perspective. Um, so a little bit about me. I, I, uh, I went through 11 foster homes. I've been homeless before. I've done a lot of things in my life. And they used to be, had the mentality of victimhood. Um, but through relationship with Christ and, and Jesus, it's my victory story. Those are the, the pillars of, of my faith. It's, it's where I've seen God turn these broken things into beautiful things. Um, and how selfish would I be if I didn't tell someone else mm -hmm. about it? So I feel like that's my purpose is, is um, giving others that different perspective of the love of God. Amazing. I, something you said um, that stands out to me is you mentioned you were, in, you, went to, you were in foster care, you were homeless for a season, and you lead our streets team here at the church. And you guys go out every Friday night um, to different areas of, of our city that are in great need. And what I love about this ministry is it is not treating people like victims, it's restoring dignity. And I, I love that because that's what Jesus would do. And you take that very seriously in how you lead this ministry. And um, one of the things you mentioned also, and I'll let you kind of go wherever you wanna go with this, but um, one of the things you mentioned was going through foster care, being homeless yourself, uh, that was a painful season, I'm guessing. And I think oftentimes we look at painful seasons as seasons that are a loss. It is, it's, it's a loss. I just need to get through this, it's a loss. But what's so amazing now is your heart and what you're doing in ministry, what you do for your job, was birthed out of a season of pain. And sometimes if we lean into the pain, purpose is the outcome of that, right? And I love that. Can you just walk, walk us through a little bit of that? Yes, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Dustin, when a few weeks ago I was asked, I was asked if, um, if I could go back and talk to my younger self before all this happened, what would I say? And it, and it wasn't, and, and I took some time thinking about this, and, and the, the answer wasn't what I thought it would be, but what I said was, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. So the reliance on God and, and um, through all those seasons, it's shaped the way I see people. Mm -hmm. It's shaped the way I, I view what love is um, and how I share that love, um, how, how I can sit in the dirt with someone and be completely comfortable because I've been in the dirt before, mm -hmm. and Jesus pulled me out of it. I have a, a wife and kids, and, and, and I'm in the Marine Corps, and I've done all these things, but none of it is by myself. It's always with God uh, uh, holding me up and, and showing me the perspective that I am his son, and he loves me no matter what, and I don't need to meet some invisible standard to earn his love. Yeah. He loved me before I was even born. Wow, yeah, it's amazing. When you, yeah, give him a hand. <clears throat> we'll probably need to move on from you in a second or people will want you to take my job. Um, so, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. I, uh, <laughs> no, um, wow. Um, I, and I, I just, I wanna come back to you in a second though, Chance, because it, it really is amazing what you guys are doing. And, I, and it's, we'll come back, but I want you to hit on what you'd also do for a living and, and talk a little bit about that. But um, Seema, um, Seema is a senior in high school. She's also dating my, my son. Uh, but um, I, I say that to say that we get to have a glimpse at your life and you're just an outstanding young woman. And we love you and your family and, and watching you live out your faith, 
standing firm. Um, you're in a unique season. It's your last year of high school. You're facing college next year. Um, you're an athlete. And I just wanted you to you know, answer that same question. What does purpose look like for a high school student um, and on the horizon is, is college. What, what is your mentality right now? Yeah, so I'm gonna take you back to when I first you know, started school or high school. And I was nervous because I cared so much about what other people thought about me, I think as a lot of teenagers do. And I was kind of wondering, why am I, why am I here in a school that's rather secular and Christianity is kind of looked down upon? And I think it really required a change of perspective, hearing that, what you were mentioning earlier, that I was picked for this school. I was picked to be around the people that I am around, in the classes that I am, and on the sports teams that I am. And that that is my purpose, that a majority of my friends are not Christian, but I can be a light. I can mm -hmm. demonstrate how I live my life. I can sh show them my faith and really just be an example. Yeah, we had mentioned, I love that, we had mentioned early on in this series that one of the very first steps, um, I think, in, in purpose in, in the workplace and at school is could be as simply as just allowing the people around you, making sure the people around you in a non-obnoxious way, making sure they know, I'm a Christian. Um, how seriously do you take that? When you're going into classes and on teams over the course of a school year, um, is that something that's on the forefront of your mind? I Yes, it is. I think it's important because, well, I used to think that if people knew I was a Christian that I'd push them away or they'd think I was weird or just stuff like that. But as I started opening up and showing, hey, I am a Christian, or even when I was in classes where teachers and students mm -hmm. were looking down on Christianity, talking bad about Christianity, and I was the one to raise my hand, say, hey, I am a Christian and this is the truth it didn't push people away. I think it just made them look at me in a different way and see that there is something different about mm -hmm. me. And if anything, it brought people closer to me instead of pushing them away. I think that's what people find. And we're, for whatever reason, it's so nerve wracking mm -hmm. to, to take that step. But I, I think that most of our stories, there might always be a couple of people, but most of our stories would probably be people had respect for it. As long as we are not truly being obnoxious, and if we're just kind of, like what Daniel said, I purposed in my heart, right? If we're just purposing in our heart, this is just who I'm gonna be. I am not going to cram anything down your throat, but I just want you to watch my life. I'm gonna be a beacon, right? I think, that, I think that's a really, really, really cool thing. And then also, one more question. With college on the horizon, um, what, what, are, what, are you, what are some of your priorities as you're preparing for college, choosing another city? Um, you know, I'm still praying that you might stay here, but choosing another city, whatever it might be, I'm joking. Um, what are your priorities about if you move to another city, college, Christianity, how do you keep your faith alive? Right, so I know that we've had this conversation, I've had this conversation with my parents. I think the most important thing is finding a church and finding a community, because those are the people that are going to keep mm -hmm. me grounded in my faith, keep me accountable, and that's how I'm going to continue to grow, is in a church and in a community. I think this is really important because so many um, high school students and even parents of high school students will choose colleges based off of the college's credentials or um, the financial aspect of a college rather than being accompanied by what great local churches are in that city. We are basically signing a spiritual death sentence to high schoolers if we are sending them to cities 
if for, for the sole purpose of college. It always has to be in tandem with the house of God. A thriving church, a, a, um, a church that is ministry oriented where you can find genuine community. Thank you, Seema. Craig, um, I, I wanna jump to you. So Craig, you, you and Sarah have become some, some great friends of ours and um, you've been coming to our church for about seven or eight years, but a few years ago, I met with you guys and threw a huge curveball at you uh, because your wife, Sarah, is our campus pastor in Maui. Um, so Sarah and Craig Beckman are amazing people and watching your marriage, your dynamic, your godliness, uh, specifically through this transition, um, I, I want you, you're also a CEO of a, of a company, um, I want you to just kind of walk through some of that. How are, what does purpose look like for Craig right now? Sure, so I have this interesting kind of two jobs. So I help Sarah pastor the campus, so that's a big chunk of what I do, but then I also run a company, and I think it's really important right now for me to be the same and actually be authentic both ways. So what does that actually look like? So when I'm at church, I actually bring some of my business profession. So I can relate with people, I have a job outside, I do ministry, but also I'm in the workplace, I'm feeling those challenges, and how do I deal with those? And then probably more importantly, the other direction, when I'm in the workplace, am I the same person? Am I truly set apart? Jesus talked about people should see us as disciples and say, they're different. Why are they different? And not only different, but attractive. I'm yes. interested in why they're different. Why do they have peace? Why do they have joy in this chaos we live in? And I think for me in this season, being very purposeful both directions of bringing my profession into ministry to connect to people, and then obviously bringing my ministry into my profession and helping people really understand, hey, I co-pastor a church and I run a company and that's just who I am. Amazing. Um, I, 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 again, like I said, I love watching this dynamic because Sarah, this is what I love. Sarah is a very strong person and leader, but you are too. Amen. You are, amen. <laughs> amen. She'll be watching this, Craig. Okay, so, uh, I, but what, what's so amazing is you are every bit as strong. Uh, you are a strong leader and a strong man of God, and watching you guys have that respect for each other is amazing. You mentioned something to me that I'll never forget when we were first transitioning and you guys were moving there. You had talked about how a lot of your married life had been about um, you know, the career you guys needed to build to, to support your family and, and what you currently do for your job, and in this season, it might look a little different. Can you, can you walk us through that? Yeah, I was really intentional about just seeing Sarah and her ministry she was doing before she took this pastor job and really you know, growing and thriving in it, but I knew God had more for her. And so I really started intentionally praying that she would find more, do more, be called into full-time ministry, and she was actually the one saying, no, I don't wanna be a pastor. And then, ironically, God called her to be a pastor, and she somewhat blames it on me, but I blame it on God, <laughs> which is awesome. And I was knowing at that time she was gonna have to step forward and I was gonna have to step back. I mean, I still feel I am the spiritual leader of our household, but she is the campus pastor and I come under her authority when it comes to being in that church in Maui. She comes under Dustin's authority being a campus of this church. So being purposeful there of supporting, encouraging, spurring her on, I do get questions on a pretty regular basis of women in ministry and I have, you know, 100% confidence and faith that God called her yeah. for such a time as this because yep. she is doing a great job and it's just fun to see her in the spotlight and just continuing to thrive. I, I, there is a reason, yeah, give him a hand for that. I, there's a reason I asked you, 
that because so much of purpose, purpose, our personal purpose is setting up other people for purpose. Because if you wanna be fulfilled, if you wanna be fulfilled, set other people up and watch how much purpose you feel. If you wanna be unfulfilled, try to be a gravitational, a black hole for purpose and you'll never, ever, ever experience it. What it takes is, is that mentality of yes, I have a purpose, but a huge part of that is working hard to set other people up. We have a couple more minutes and, and um, Chance, I do wanna come back to you on that because I want you to just share what you do for a living and just kinda how that ties into even where you serve here at the church. Okay, so um, I work at the Marine Corps Recruiting Station here in Albuquerque as supply and logistics. I've been in the Marine Corps for 16 years. Um, done some deployments and things like that. Um, I remember coming to a point in, in, in my life, in my career, where I realized if I took my uniform off, I had no idea who I was. Mm -hmm. hmm. So how do I do this, right? And then um, through some things, you know, just found this love of God, and, and it's been a sprint ever since. Um, but one of the things that's been revealed to me is, and you just said it, is um, to grow in faith, you gotta give it away. Mm -hmm. Right, so so why are you blessed to bless others? Mm -hmm. How do you grow in faith? Is to share your faith with others, and in in the job that I have, it's not common, and it's a bit convoluted, but I, I'm a firm believer: more is caught than taught. Yep. So the way I live my life means more than sometimes the things I say. That's amazing, amazing. Thank you, thank you for that. And then I want to hit, yeah. I want to hit one more thing, uh, Bruce, and I, it's a little bit of a cur curveball, so bear with me. Um, I thought about this halfway through the conversation. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that when I look at your life and, and I've studied you, there's, there's a few men in our church that I've just always looked up to and studied and you're obviously one of those. The balance of job, family, church, I feel like you've done that so well. To end us today on, on this conversation, can you just walk through um, the level of intentionality you have to have? How, how, do you, how do you and Tammy do what you do with that? Okay, yeah, that is a curveball. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I, I would say uh, I give all the credit uh, to God and Tammy for that, honestly. God and Tammy. <laughs> um, tr truthfully, I mean, especially earlier in my career, um, uh, I, I definitely would have been a workaholic if it wasn't for Tammy. I mean, I loved my job. I still love my job. Um, but she held me accountable. And I you know, the compliment to that was I knew what God wanted, that mm -hmm. her family, those things were more important than my job, despite the sort of temptation of the gratification and the validation that you can get from your job. Um, and so, uh, you know, there were just a lot of conversations and a lot of prayer and, um, you know, balance was yeah. sort of achieved over time uh, through you know, all of those things, just God convicting me, her talking to me, and, you know, just a cycle, I guess, yeah. of that. You know, we talk a lot about tithing, and, you know, we, if you tithe, it feels, I mean, it is that, you know, 10%, that God does more with 90 than he does with 100. Do you feel like it could, in essence, be the same type of theme with time? If time is invested properly, it almost feels like it's multiplied? You know, I think that, that that sort of principle applies in a lot of areas. I think it applies to time. I think it applies to finances. I think it applies to influence. Like, as we were talking about this conversation, um, and you were asking me about being a CEO, people sometimes, I think, think that, you know, you have to use influence once you achieve a certain level of influence. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, you have to use the influence you have at every step of your life. 
And if you kind of step back and say, well, I'll step out and use influence later when I have influence, well, you might never have that influence. Yep, wow. I, I think that applies to other areas like how you use your time, yeah. how you use your uh, financial resources. And so, um, you know, God wants us to be faithful with the small things. Amazing, amazing. Hey, guys, we're out of time, but I want you to genuinely, this means so much to us, and I want you to genuinely give them a huge round of applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amazing. Um, now you can see why I wanted to end the, the series like this. There's, their, their stories are, are so much like your stories. And just for a moment, with nobody moving around, just for this moment, I, I do want to give a very specific call to salvation to um, in this series today. Purpose is birthed out of knowing Jesus Christ as your savior, truly. We, we cannot step into purpose without knowing him, that he came and lived a perfect life sent by the Father. The son was sent by the Father to live a perfect life and to go to the cross as a perfect sacrifice, not just to die a death that we would look at in a religious way, but to die a sacrificial death because the Bible says our sin should have put us on that cross. But Jesus came and said, I'm gonna go instead. And all you have to do is call on my name as the ultimate sacrifice on that cross and you will be saved. Believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. Your purpose, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your purpose is on the other side of that declaration and it's waiting for you. His grace is abounding. His mercy is amazing. And his plan is for you and it's waiting on the other side of this decision. So uh, without any delay, I wanna have you bow your heads and close your eyes, and I just wanna end with this prayer. And if you're in the room at the last week of this series, whether you've come all six weeks or maybe this is your first time, but this purpose stuff is intriguing to you and you wanna know what that purpose is, and you acknowledge that Jesus is not just our Savior, but he's also our Lord, and you understand the cross, you don't have to know all the ins and outs of Christianity, just that it should have been me on that cross because the wages of sin is death, but Jesus came and died instead of me, so we don't have to. If that's you and you would like to be included in this final prayer, just right where you're seated with every head bowed and every eye closed, on the count of three if you just lift your hand, and I'll just include you in this prayer. One, two, three. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See your hands, keep it up just for one more second. Thank you guys, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, amazing. I wanna pray and I want you to make this prayer your own if you raised your hand. Don't just listen to me pray, but in your heart, make this a heart declaration. It's not a prayer that saves you. It is a shifting of belief and a declaration that Jesus is Lord. And when we do that, that's it. Because all the work of salvation is already done. That's the beauty of the cross. So pray with me as I pray. Father, we thank you so much. All the hands raised, Father. It's not the hands, it's not even the prayer. But in our heart right now, we are declaring Jesus, your Lord. And we needed you to go to that cross. And because you did, I can call on your name, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior, and I can be saved. Transformed, a new creation, the beginning of a new life, fulfillment, purpose, and destiny. Let your grace flow over me, your purpose flow over me. Your destiny, mercy, we thank you. Come into our lives. We believe that you are alive and you did not stay dead. Thank you. And we praise you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Can you